The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, it's time to level the playing field. What, oh, what is she talking about? Let me get started. Okay, Ladies out there, you're a woman. You have an exciting, game-changing, evolutionary, maybe even revolutionary idea for a new business. Wow, impressive, exciting. But wait, hold that thought. Don't get too excited yet. Here's a reality check. Your path to success may not be as smooth as the path your male counterparts will be following on the way from idea to company to success. Wouldn't you love to have an experienced startup coach guide you in building a strategic network, helping you navigate the business ecosystem? It is vast. It is complex. It is growing and changing and helping you keep your eye on that end goal, despite what we might say is unfair. I know there's no such thing as unfair in love and war and business, unfair or even sexist setbacks. We don't want to believe they exist, but they do. I have a quote here from our Game Changing Women radio executive producer and SAP chief learning officer, Jenny Dearborn. She says, I feel great empathy for smart, talented, hardworking women who are not getting the breaks in life and in business that they deserve. That's why we've invited some experienced startup mentors to give our listeners a coaching session today. How exciting. So let me introduce our two experts. We were almost going to have three, but it looks like we have two. You all know how airline schedules work and changing planes and delays and security. So we were originally going to have Doug Johnson join us, and he had to drop out. He was uh, vice president for at InnoSphere for Capital Inquisition, Inquisition, Acquisition, excuse me. But let's start off with the panelists who did arrive, and we're delighted to have them. First up, I'd like to introduce Susan Lucas-Conwell, Chief Innovation Catalyst at Growth Resources Incorporated. Susan has sent me the following quote from Muhammad Ali. Those of you remembering back in time, he started out as Cassius Marcellus Clay, Jr., born in 1942, former American professional boxer and considered one of the greatest heavyweights in the sports history, but we won't go into that. Here's the quote. If my mind can conceive it and my heart can believe it, then I can achieve it. I love his poetry. Susan Lucas-Conwell, welcome. How are you today? I'm just great. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. I have to do a shout-out. You just have to fill in the blank here. You just got back from an urgent and exciting trip to Bulgaria to watch your daughter compete in in rowing and tell us what the outcome was. I just want everybody to know how exciting your weekend was, Susan, before we start. Go ahead. 
Oh, that's so sweet. And it mixes perfectly with your question that I'm going to anticipate about favorite beverages. She is just a little pipsqueak of a girl, 19 years old, rising junior at University of Virginia, who worked hard, lots of guts, and went to the under-23 World Rowing Championships and came back with gold. And the U.S. swept their three events. So it's all about never give up. Wow, great. And please give her our regards and our congratulations. Very, very exciting for her and for the team and for the U.S. Now, let's talk about another champion, Muhammad Ali. The quote again is, if my mind can conceive it and my heart can can believe it, then I can achieve it. I love that. It's such a can-do attitude. Susan, how did you pick this quote for our topic today on Coaching Women Entrepreneurs? You know, I picked this topic because, as um, you'll probably hear throughout everything I say or almost everything I say, I love sports, and entrepreneurship is about the game, and it is about heart and guts and hard work and preparing and working hard. Muhammad Ali, as you said, was born Cassius Clay. Those of you who don't know him can go look him up, but he never gave up. He came from behind. He went to jail for his beliefs. He went to jail after winning Worlds and then came back to be the heavyweight champion. And he also had an amazing talent for words, like his, um, you know, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. He had Mm -hmm. so many different expressions. And I think it relates so much to what happens in entrepreneurship, where you have to prepare and you have to work hard and you can't give up. And you give and you give and you give. But if you believe it and if you have it in your heart, then you can achieve it. I like that. I like the idea of bringing the word heart into the equation, Susan. I think it's very important. We talk about passion all the time. We talk about commitment, dedication, focus, keep your eye on the ball, which I mentioned in the opening, but heart. That says a whole lot more. We'll be coming back to you in a a few minutes, and thank you for the great opening to our topic. And now let me welcome our surprise guest. We just met her (laughs) about an hour and a half ago. Talk about an entrepreneurial spirit and bravery. Her name is Lindsay Roselle. She's the founder and principal of the Candescence Group, and we'll find out a little bit more about them later. And Lindsay has sent me a quote from John Bradshaw. John Bradshaw, who's now age 82, is an American educator, counselor, motivational speaker, and author who has hosted several PBS TV programs. And here's the quote. Uh, here's the quote. I got, I got a quote from your business as well. Here's the quote from John Bradshaw. The human will is intensity of desire raised to the level of action. What a powerful quote. Lindsay Roselle, nice to meet you here for the first time. How are you today? You. I'm doing really well, yeah. I'm, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity, and I, I feel like I do best when I have very little warning, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it all goes well. But, uh, yeah, this the is consummate your entrepreneur operating a, a little bit spontaneously. But, um, Yeah, so, I mean, that quote to me really sums up where I come from as an entrepreneur. Um, My background, I spent about nine years in um, the corporate world actually working for Schneider Electric. So I've known of SAP. I used to manage the SAP partnership, um, part of my role at at Schneider. Uh So very familiar with with this industry. Um, And I was actually a rower, too, so totally um, relate to the other story I rode in college. But... um, for me, you know, being an entrepreneur coming out of the corporate world really was this uh, realization that I had the ability as a woman to create what I, the lifestyle that I wanted. And the corporate world, while very rewarding and very um, stimulating to me in a lot of ways, wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. Um, I, I didn't feel like I got to create in the way that I desired to create. And so 
um, I took action, and I and I felt, you know, in taking action, I felt all all things different, all different emotions as a woman. I felt um, like I didn't really know what I was doing, and, and at some level, it was a lot of serendipity and a lot of guessing. Mm-hmm. But I also felt very much like I could do it, and um, I had good support. And it took grit, and it took vulnerability, and all these things that I really like to talk about um, as far as feelings, but. Ultimately, when I was able to really harness my desire to create, I was and put put some action behind it. You know, that's really where I was able to start you know, my initial the first business that I launched, which is a, a yoga studio here in Fort Collins, where I live. Um, and and after seeing success and feeling success and freeing myself of my corporate job by becoming an entrepreneur. Um, I kind of pivoted into the world of helping other women to do that because it is hard as a woman to overcome some of the struggles that we get caught up in, um, you know, as far as turning desire into creation and into action. So, yeah, that's where where I come from, and I'm just, I love talking about this, so I can't wait. Thank you, Lindsay, very much. Nice to meet you, and and I'm intrigued. We had the word heart in the quote that Susan offered us from Muhammad Ali, and then we've got the Mm -hmm. word... uh, desire and are these yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna susan i'm gonna poke you on this one and then get Lindsay's. and, and Lindsay, by the way we're a back and forth uh, you know brief soundbite so this is what we yeah. do back and forth conversation i know we didn't have a prep call but uh susan we have heart and we have desire i know we have intensity and level of action and passion and conceiving it and achieving it all those good power words do we have some feminine oriented words in here is this something that i know the quotes are from men however when we talk talk to women do you see this in women entrepreneurs susan and then i'll ask Lindsay the same question in terms of oh my heart is in it and i have so much desire and passion is, is this something that differentiates women entrepreneurs from male entrepreneurs susan I don't think that it differentiates them. I think being an entrepreneur is probably one of the hardest things in the world to do and to be. <clears throat> everybody needs heart and everybody needs that passion. It, um, I think that women in entrepreneurship tend to use slightly different skills and their um, EQ comes in strong advantage. Their empathy, their compassion, and their almost intuitive understanding of what comes around, goes around, is something that we see women don't have to work as hard to do and be. Sometimes men do. I'm reminded of a clip that I saw on BBC while flying back from Bulgaria with a group of 17-year-old women, Syrian Syrians, fighting for their country. And they said, you know, we're not as big and strong as the men, so we have to use our smarts and our understanding, our intuition. And so I think there's a piece, without exaggerating or pushing stereotypes, about that intuition, compassion, empathy, and communication that comes maybe sometimes a little more naturally to women than it does to men. But at the end of the day, you're all running that marathon, and it's hard. It is hard. Thank you. Very well put. I appreciate that. Lindsay, thoughts on what, Susan? We're almost in, in our roundtable already. We didn't finish the opening, but I love it when we get a conversation going very quickly. Lindsay, thoughts on intuition, compassion, anything else you want to add to that mix? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I second the intuition. I mean, that's been my experience with women is um, there there is just this deeper level of, of connected intuition with women um, in, in as 
they kind of relate to creation, whereas men, in my experience, men are very um, kind of methodical, and it's it's about steps and about action, and, and men, as a result, are very good at executing, um, and, and I work with a lot of men that you can give them tasks, and they go right for it, and they're successful in doing that, um, but, but watching women, you know, go through the process of feeling, really feeling what feels good to them and, and what they, the impact they want to create um, and, and how that will result in making them feel good but also in really bringing, bringing you know, impact into their community. There's that kind of heart-centered, wholehearted, you know, I read a lot of Brene Brown and really love her work with vulnerability, um, and I, I feel like women connect to the vulnerability of entrepreneurship a little more, um, and as a result, you know, the connection element that comes in um, where you really feel the why of what they're doing, uh, mm-hmm. that's the piece that I love with, with working with women is, is that moment that a woman connects to the why and, and you see that line of, of vulnerability, wholehearted, you know, open-hearted bravery, and then success as they connect to that. It's just that's, that lights me up. Um, so totally, yeah, echo what you guys are saying as far as just that little bit deeper connection um, with women. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. A good start. And Susan Lucas-Conwell. Susan, you know what's coming next. Lindsay, I'm just going to surprise her. Little section of the show that's called What's in Your Cup Today? What are you drinking right now if it's interesting? has nothing to do with the topic. We just want a little bit about you and your personality and your lifestyle. So what are you drinking or what did you have when you were in Bulgaria? Susan, regale, <laughs> regale us with a story. What, what's good over there to drink? <laughs> well, I, I don't drink alcohol, but boy, do I love coffee. And I have to say that this morning I am with my, you know, home-brewed Pete's latte, which I love, which I absolutely love. Boy, that coffee, you know, they say about the Italian uh, coffee that um, you can put your spoon in it and the spoon will continue to stand up in the cup. Well, I think the spoon could probably dance in the cup of a Bulgarian coffee. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and if I sound a little hoarse, it's because I did an awful lot of screaming. I arrived in Bulgaria at 2 a.m. on Friday, was at the race course at 9.30. So it wasn't about what was in the cup. It was what was the moment, the people being there, being there for the moment. And I think that is so much what um, is important about a favorite drink. Now, maybe Lindsay's going to have some fantastic stories, and, and I had wild moments of, oh, yes, you know, the ALS ice bucket challenge, and never, have I ever drunk something really bizarre? Nope. <laughs> I think it's going back to those roots of that delicious coffee, the amazingly strong Bulgarian coffee at the race course when I had absolutely zero sleep. <laughs> wow. I'm sure that, that uh, caffeine so gave you a little moment, bit of a, right? a pump. Yes, absolutely, as if the event itself wasn't enough. Lindsay Roselle, we just call this storytelling. Let's tell us, tell us a little bit about you. What do you love to drink? What are you drinking right now, or what are you planning to drink after the show? Lindsay? One of my favorite topics. This is like a moment of the universe right now because this, <laughs> I could talk about this forever. So, I mean, I'm currently drinking, I would, it would be generous to call it lukewarm coffee at this point. It's 10:15 where I'm at. Um, I made it a couple hours ago. Um, I'm an Americano person, so I'm all about strong coffee. Um, but ultimately, my drink of choice is bourbon. Uh, and I, I am a bourbon girl through and through, and I, I put it on the rocks, and it's, um, it has become 
a passion for me. I, I've studied it now. Um, I have a, a, like a bar here in Fort Collins called Social, and it's my. It's, I, I tell people it's my cheers. You know, they all know my name, and it makes me sound like I'm there a lot, which I am, but it, not in like a not in a you should be worried kind of way, but in a community kind of way. Um, but it's a. I've really, really taken to learning about craft bourbon and craft whiskey, and uh, Colorado has this new kind of up-and-coming scene. Um, You know, we're obviously known for the craft brewing with all of our microbreweries here, and a lot of people have left craft brewing and and moved into craft distilling. Um, And the history of bourbon in America is fascinating with prohibition and and all the laws. You know, I mean, our government has tons of laws around what you can call bourbon, you know, how much corn is in liquid to deem it bourbon. It's crazy to me. Um, But just like coffee or or wine or cigars, you know, there's there are nuances to bourbon and to whiskey. Um, And so just in the last couple of years, I've really started to take an interest in that and, and learn about different distilling processes and different taste palettes. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is gather women together, actually, um, and go through tasting flights of craft spirits. So I've, I've started a little organization here in Fort Collins called Women And, and what we do is every other month we get together at, at this um, bar social and we go through a four-flight taster of craft spirits, and then it's like a, it's a little connection event where you meet new people, and um, it's just, it's delightful. It's, it's the the combination of the best things, entrepreneurial women and craft spirits. <laughs> so I love it. Um, but it's 10 a.m., so there is no whiskey in my glass right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have had some guests talk to us about the Jameson, Jigger of Jameson and the coffee, so we wouldn't be that Not surprised. That but thank happened, you. But thank you for. Thank you for qualifying that. Appreciate that, Lindsay. We're off to a great start here. We have two very uh, interesting, provocative, well-experienced ladies who are on our show today, Susan Lucas-Conwell and Lindsay Roselle. What a combination. And we have to do a shout-out to Doug Johnson from Innosphere, who really, really, really wanted to be on the show, but last-minute airline schedule change. He got stuck in airport security. I hope they let him go in time for the plane. Doug really wanted to be here, and we have to do a shout-out and thank him for finding Lindsay literally at the last minute, about about 48 minutes before we went live on the air. And Lindsay, we're delighted to have you. Thanks for stepping in. So our topic today, coaching women entrepreneurs starting smart. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to let Susan and Lindsay have a drink of whatever is refreshing them right now. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, happy to be here on another live episode of Game Changing Women Radio presented by SAP. When we come back, Susan Lucas-Conwell will help me kick off the round. Table. We'll start with very provocative question. Why is it any different coaching women entrepreneurs from coaching men? And if there is a difference, what is the difference? We'll start there. Susan will kick it off. Lindsay will chime in. I'll see if I can get a word or two in edgewise with these two experts. And then we'll just go around and around the table for the rest of the hour. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. 
Game-Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game-Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. Welcome back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Today, speaking with Susan Lucas-Conwell and Lindsay Roselle, uh, I just did a shout-out to Doug Johnson, who couldn't join us at the last minute. But I have to read the quote from Margaret Thatcher, Baroness Thatcher, uh, also the recipient of the Lady a lady of the Order of the Garter, the Order of Merit, part of the Privy Council, part of the Fellows of the Royal Society. She really, really packs in those awards. And here's a quote from Margaret Thatcher that Doug proposed if he, if he was going to be on the show. I think it's pertinent to our topic very. Margaret Thatcher says, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. I rest my case. Now let's kick off our roundtable. Food for thought. Susan Lucas Conwell, I'm looking at your notes and here's, here's the topic we'd like to start with. Why is it any different coaching women entrepreneurs and coaching men? If there is a difference, what is it? So Susan, what do you observe? So I'd like to um, start with a quote from Alex Morgan from our amazing U.S. women's soccer team who said, <clears throat> my coach said I ran like a girl. I said if he could run a little faster, he could too. So it isn't that women <laughs> are less talented. <laughs> wow. Um, so a couple of thoughts that I think are really important to hold on to. It isn't really different coaching women. Women come out of their careers and experiences in different places than men often do. So their starting point in their entrepreneurship can be different, number one. The big difference is in the nuances, and I would say that it comes in the confidence that they bring to the table and the conservative aspects of what they bring to the table. And I'll just quickly give a couple of sound bites on that. For many years, Babson College um, did a study as part of the Global Entrepreneurship Model Monitor on women, the success of women-founded versus men-founded companies. And what they found was that in the early years, women-founded companies did better. And they did better because women were conservative in their estimates. And they kind of stacked the deck. And so they would give estimates and they would do just what they knew they could do. And then in the later stages of the companies, men-founded companies would go forward because women didn't want to take the risk and didn't gamble as much. And I think it goes back to confidence. And they wouldn't take on more debt, for example, um, than they thought they could reasonably pay back in a reasonable amount of time. Another interesting soundbite is what we see in companies all the time about asking for salaries. Women don't ask for increases in salaries. Men, and it's a stereotype, but it is something that statistically holds true when you look at some of the facts. In the same way that a woman won't necessarily apply for a new job without being sure that she has the experience to do it. Whereas if you ask a man, 
oh, I, I see that you took a swimming lesson yesterday. Would you be interested in trying out for the Olympics? Absolutely no problem. I can do it. So there is a nuance in there about confidence. And so often women come into entrepreneurship because something has happened. Sometimes it's because they have a great idea. Sometimes it's because they haven't been successful in another area or they found a challenge and they want to respond to that challenge. And they need help believing in themselves that they can really take that big leap of faith that it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. So if ever there's a difference, it's about that confidence in themselves. Interesting. Lindsay Roselle, what is your observation on this? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I... I echo that same idea that there's there's a tie between um, self confidence and ability, and and I the way I quantify it in my work and in my talking is um, I do a lot of work around mindset and around kind of getting through self doubt and and attaching more to purpose. And I find with men, you know, when they when they move into entrepreneurship, it's it's often you know, the self-doubt question just isn't even part of the conversation. It's like, here's an opportunity. Um, you know, they may have some questions of, of trajectory and will this result in the outcome that I want, but, they're, but they don't tie purpose to self-doubt. And I find a lot of women, for some reason, when they are able to identify what they really want to create in the world, what they really want to contribute, the impact they want to have, it also at the same time raises the question of self-doubt and saying, well, who am I to think I can create this kind of impact or, gosh, I don't have any experience in, you know, owning a, this type of store or this type of business. Is anybody even going to come? And, and I don't often hear men express that type of doubt. And so um, I don't know if that, that answers the question, but it's that, it's that nuance that I find different in working with the genders. And that being said, the, the thing that I've spent a lot of time on recently is the concept of women supporting women. And, and, you know, there's so much in our culture about difference and about other um, around gender uh, where, you know, there's the lean-in movement, there's lots of stuff around gender equality and wage equality and all that. And, and gosh, there's so many organizations that do that so well. Um, what I have found is lacking in our culture is, is, is the conversation around how do women support other women and how do you find a woman, you know, when you're a woman striking out on the entrepreneurial path and you're having self-doubt and you're experiencing all of this, you know, should I do this and all the struggle, um, it's often in other women that we find more, more comfort and more um, motivation. And, and yet the resources to connect with other entrepreneurial women I, I have found to be woefully lacking, unless you, you know, pay for an excellent coach, which I've done and you know, many of us have done, but um, th- that's an interesting conversation to me in working with the genders where, you know, women and men, that dynamic is, is you know, there's tons of history, there's tons of conversation. Um, what about women supporting women and how do we, and how do men play into that too, you know, in the corporate, in the corporate world watching male bosses have teams full of women and not really understand how to um, create good teamwork amongst women and, um and in the entrepreneurial world, you know, uh, small businesses that have lots of female employees but a male owner, there's just so much dynamic tied up in uh, the role of women supporting women and then how that interplays differently with how you work with male entrepreneurs. So um, lots to talk about there, but that's really, um, I have found, you know, the self-doubt thing and, and finding female 
support and mentorship to be the biggest differentiator between how to make women successful. It's usually in get, getting them a female mentor versus how to make men successful. It's usually in really just executing a tactical plan. Thank you, Lindsay. I have to bring mm-hmm. up a famous quote from Madeleine Albright. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I think Susan may be. The quote is, there is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Have you ever heard that one, Lindsay? I haven't, but I think I've said those words. <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. You must have heard it somewhere. Soul Sisters. Yeah, go to goodreads.com as well as everywhere it's on her Wikipedia, Wicked quote page and all over the place. Apparently it's also a line from a Taylor Swift song called Hell. But I digress. <laughs> Talk about entrepreneurs and knowing your business and having confidence. Okay, uh, Susan, anything you want to wrap up on this one? Because I want to go to a, a different part of this mini coaching session. I'm looking at Lindsay's notes and I have a place I want to go. Susan, anything to wrap up on this one? No, I think Madeline Albright said it all. <laughs> I agree, absolutely. Okay, Lindsay Roselle, I'm looking at your notes, and uh, here's something interesting. You talk about owning your wanting, your desire for business. Business Going back to the desire word in the quote in the opening, desire is the seed of creation, and wanting does not equal entitlement. Let's get the word entitlement in here. How does it play into coaching when women entrepreneurs? Do they come to you feeling entitled, maybe because they had a bad business experience or they had a bad boss or because their family never had any success or they're the first ones to go to college? What is this sense of entitlement you see, and why do you have to put this in your statement? Go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of twofold. Part of it is from my own personal experience of, of you know, the genesis of my entrepreneurial path and and some messages from my childhood around, you know, wanting is when you want something, you know, you're entitled. It it sounds like entitlement to express that you want something. And so instead of saying that you want it, you know, explain why you deserve it or what you're going to do to work for it, you know, like all this quantification of why you're allowed to want something. And, And I see it a lot with female entrepreneurs where they've gotten feedback through their life, either from people in their family or from, um, uh, you know, teachers or mentors or, or spouses now, you know, as they've gotten into uh, adulthood where it's like, oh, that's great that you want that, but, you know, here's all the reasons why it's not going to happen. And so you wanting that, it, it's almost like they, it, it's an antagonistic word to say that you want something. And, I, gosh, I, I love the conversation with people, you know, new people that come into my life. It's like, what do you want? And just own your wanting. It's okay to want things because when you want something and you can, and you can connect to the underlying feeling that that wanting is touching in you, like what, you know, what do you want to feel? Uh, and, and Danielle Laporte is my guru in this realm, but how do you want to feel in your life? And when you connect to that, and you can say, gosh, I desire to feel free. I desire to feel affluent. I desire to feel ease in my life. And, and I want to create this business to give myself a path to feeling that way. And as you do that, you plant the seed of creation. And, and I feel like it takes, it takes ownership of your wanting in order to plant that seed for your creative force to come into the world and thus for you to have the impact you're going to have. And so I just... I react very strongly when people are like, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't like the word want. It's like, own your wanting. It is okay to want. 
you know, it, and we're not talking like toddlers here that they just want to go into Target and pull stuff off the shelves. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not it's not that type of wanting. This is really, you know, self-actualized, aware, um, deep wanting to create. And I feel like women especially, gosh, so many women have that in them and they never bring it to light because someone in their life has said to them, it's not okay to want. Those are the dream squashers. Those are the deal breakers. Those are the dream undoers. Susan, I want to get you in on this. Thoughts on the word wanting, desire, and we're going to get to the idea of the why women want to start a business. But let's talk about that desire and wanting. Susan? I, you know, I think that this, um, <clears throat> I think what Lindsay has said is very true, and I think it's linked to um, being willing to say that you did something. So there is that mm. self-effacing um, aspect, that uh, kind of quality that we sometimes see in women. Um, there have been a couple of spins that have been going around on uh, Facebook and other social media, and one of them is around the word sorry, a word that women should just take out of their vocabulary. I don't mean not to apologize, but it is the idea that not only um, sometimes the women worry about wanting, but they also worry about saying that they did it, that they achieved, that this is their success. And you'll hear, oh, 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 thank you. It really wasn't me. Yeah, it was. Stand up to it. <laughs> and if you listen to or look at some of the amazing quotes from Mia Hamm and Hope Solo and some of the other women on the U.S. women's soccer team, and I think of them because they have been so spectacularly successful in sports you have to succeed and you should not step away from being proud of success and it's as simple as that and so that wanting and that passion and that desire is linked to achievement and it is linked to accepting it simply accepting it and sometimes it. it is hard for women but mm-hmm. you, you it can't is. go and, you know, oftentimes I'll say in talks, you know, you have to shoot for something. So shoot for the moon. Worst case, you'll hit a few stars going down. But if you don't shoot <laughs> for something, you'll never get there. I like that. Now, I mentioned in my opening, and thank you both for that. I, we're, we're gonna, I think the word, the concept of why women want to start businesses, we're weaving in and out of the conversation. But I want to address something I mentioned in the opening about female entrepreneurs, you may hit a snag in the road, a bump along the way, a detour on your road to success. I know you mapped it and planned it and routed it, and you've got your little, we used to call it the AAA routing map. We used to get a trip ticket. Susan probably remembers that. I don't think Lindsay is old enough. We used to get a trip ticket with your whole route planned out. The AAA, uh, the Automobile Club, uh, Automobile Association would send you actually a booklet of how you were going to go. This Lindsay, this predates GPS and cell phones and <laughs> personal computers before anybody even conceived of you. We we're doing that now. So the question is sometimes we look back and we say, we look ahead and we cry or we moan and we say, that's unfair. That's sexist. We're getting derailed. We can't keep going toward the goal because the deck is stacked against us. Susan, this is in your notes. What about the ecosystem and statistics that look stacked against women entrepreneurs? Why don't you address for us the idea of is it okay to say it's unfair or just what do they say, pull on your big girl panties and keep stepping over the bumps? What do you say, Susan? I think this is a very important point that you've raised, Bonnie, and you cannot, as an entrepreneur, focus on the negative. And so this is a piece that is important to help women through. Yeah, there are times when it will be unfair. 
There are times that I'll be even outright sexist. When I started my first company in France, I had a um, business partner, not even someone who was part of my company, but someone who I worked on projects with. He had to go to the bank with me. He had to go to the bank with me, and he had to sign a loan. Otherwise, there was no way I was going to get my first bank loan. That was it. So I could have sat and go, oh, boo-hoo, it's just because I'm a woman. Oh, it's unfair. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Keep your eye on the goal. Move forward. You have more important things than to worry about it. It does not mean sweeping it under the carpet. It, doesn't, it means don't walk around with that proverbial chip on your shoulder. And that is something that is very hard sometimes for women to accept. And, you know, we, it isn't the topic today, um, but we're having very much of a first-world conversation. We're not having a conversation about Latino girls who are pregnant by the time they're 18 in East Palo Alto, where they may or may not get through high school. We're, we're very privileged, and we're worrying about, and I am not saying that we aren't important and that women entrepreneurs aren't important, but there are so many other injustices in this world and, and just down the street from us that we have to move forward. And so helping women to put it in perspective and to focus on their goal, um, <clears throat> there are lots of quotes about failure. One of my favorites is uh, Michael Jordan's, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career and lost almost 300 games. I failed over and over again, and that's why I succeed. Whether mm-hmm. it's because the ref called something against you that wasn't fair, whether it's because you couldn't get the bank loan, whether you had to just walk through it and say, I need that money, and so I'm going to find a way to get there. You have to be focused. And you cannot blame, fundamentally, it is very difficult to say, oh, it was because it was unfair or I would have gotten this or that. Move forward. You have to move forward. It's a lesson in life, and it's a lesson for entrepreneurship. Thank you, Susan. I'm reading a quote here online from William Goldman, the author of The Princess Bride, and here's the quote. Who says life is fair? Where is that written? That's the fair word. I think that's what we have to go forward with. Lindsay, I'd love to get some brief comments from you on when women entrepreneur you're coaching or mentoring or just speaking to, and they say, it's not fair, what do you say to them? You know, I, I, I try to change the conversation because, you know, I, I, fairness is such a, such a loaded word, and, and, you know, my personality type, I'm a big fairness person, so I get it, but, but I feel like you can kind of go in circles when you talk about fairness because it's subjective. And so I... I usually try to reframe a conversation that's ending up, you know, kind of in the, in the, circling the drain around it's not fair to become something more about shifting mindset. Um, and because I find if you can stay in your, your success mindset and your self-assured mindset around, you know, your ability to do something and your ability to be financially successful and your, uh, you know, your belief in what you're doing, uh, Oftentimes then it's like, okay, yeah, this, this specific behavior or action that someone took may be unfair um, or the circumstance that I find myself in may, may be, you know, legitimately unfair. Uh, however, spending, spending cycles on it doesn't do anybody any good and I can't change the outcome of what just happened. So instead, let's focus on what you can in, impact and how you can 
pivot your business to, in response to what just happened or whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, and that's, I say that lightly, it's not easy for people to overcome that, especially women. You know, I find a lot of women I work with have very deeply ingrained patterns um, around relying on you know, letting themselves off the hook by saying something was unfair. So it's like, well, that's unfair, so I'm just not going to take action on this anymore, and I'm going to give up. Um, and that, that, to me, is where there's big work to be done because, you know, identifying where in your life someone taught you that just because something is unfair is a good enough reason to quit, um, that's really powerful to identify that and, and move through that. Uh, the other thing around failure, uh, my family plays a lot of tennis, and, and big famous uh, tennis player, Wawrinka, has this tattoo on his arm. It's a Samuel Beckett quote, and it's, ever tried, ever fail, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. And, and it's this uh-huh. mantra around, you know, you're going you're gonna to fail. It's going to happen. You're, there's going to be times when things don't go your way, whether it's due to an action you took that was wrong or something in the environment around you being unfair or um, not suitable for, for you at the time. And you have two choices. You can try again and fail again and fail better and continue to improve, or you can stop. Um, and, you know, Susan made the metaphor earlier about entrepreneurship and sports. It's no, no, no great athlete, no one who's ever achieved anything in sports stopped when something unfair happened. So, you know, to me, yeah, it's mindset, it's, it's training people, it's coaching people to have this approach of not expecting failure, but when failure does happen, coming back to trying again, and, and self-betterment as the response to failure. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Susan, I'm going to jump back into some of your talking points here. I know Lindsay will have a lot to say in them as well. Let's talk about the network, uh, women's groups, accelerators, conferences, telling you how to network. And part of that network, I want to talk a little bit, if you can weave in the difference between mentors, sponsors, and champions. Susan, kick us off with this, and then we'll get Lindsay's POV on it too. So what about the women's network? What's the difference between the network, a woman entrepreneur, think she needs and goes about getting and how hard is it to get it versus what men may get more naturally. Talk to me. Absolutely. So I think that um, when we talk about networks, and I give um, a lot of talks at different women's accelerators and incubators, and I find that this goes back to one of the points that we mentioned before is that confidence in one oneself and setting a goal. If you don't ask, you're not going to get. In, in, in the notion of a strategic network, it is really thinking about building a proactive network, building a network. It's not about the pile of business cards that way too many of us, and I won't show a photo of my desk, but way too many of us keep these business cards, and we don't do anything with them. A network has to be strategic and proactive and consciously built to do what you need to get done. Where do you need connections for your business or for yourself? And so often women forget that in their book club there is a woman who is a banker and the woman that they take their power walk with um, in the early morning with their dog, maybe she's a lawyer. Could she get you somewhere? What about in your child's third grade class a parent who is a venture capitalist. Women are afraid to ask. And this is, again, a stereotype. Men will go out and will be fearless. Women don't have the same old boys' networks. Um, 
They have different types of networks. It's not about the type of network. It's about thinking of a network as something that is your connection, your circle, your advisory board, the place where you are going to go to when you need something. And so it's important to help women think of it in that way. And one of the exercises that I give often and I have heard is very helpful is going through your Gmail or your address book, whatever kind of physical or virtual address book you have, getting rid of or putting in a different address book people you have not talked to in six months, people who you don't remember, and then going through and consciously making a note in that contact is why you're keeping that person. How is it they can help you? And oftentimes a woman's natural reaction is to think of how I can help them, which is also important, and that's step two. But step one is a business can thrive and survive or fail in the blink of an eye. You have to be active and you have to be thinking about it 26 hours out of every day and 10 days a week. And to do that is actively building a network. We all know lots of people. I'm not worried about the golf club anymore. You have to use it. And if you don't use it, it's not useful and it's not meaningful. Thank you, Susan. Very profound. Lindsay Roselle, chime in on anything or everything that Susan mentioned, especially uh, building a network. What are your thoughts? Um, Another one of my favorite topics. Uh, (laughs) I So, you know, my experience with traditional networking has been very – blah. You know, I mean, you show up, you stick on a hello, my name is badge, you walk around with a glass of cheap Chardonnay, and you maybe, you know, (laughs) meet one or two new people, but most people tend to stick with the people they came to the event with or people that they recognize from the last one they were at. Um, And it's the same conversation. There's nothing stimulating. You're not, like Susan's saying, you're not making a conscious connection. You're just like, oh, I'm Bob. I work at the bank. Nice to meet you, Bob. I'm Lindsay. I, you know, work with female entrepreneurs cool, you know, it, there's, not, there's not a topic that really gives you insight into who that person is and, and gives you that, that spark of connection to go, wow, Bob's cool, man, I'd like to talk to Bob. So, and then, the second thing is, as a millennial, social media has totally revolutionized the ability to reach people, and I think that's really underrated by women. Um, and, and, you know, there's varying degrees of engagement on social media with women that I, that I work with, but you know, it has never been easier to send a, a note to somebody that you may think is completely unreachable and get an immediate message back on Facebook from that person. Like, you know, a couple years ago I was on Facebook during a – Sheryl Sandberg was there for an hour um, answering questions on Lenin's forum, and she posted on Facebook and said, I'm going to be here from 9 to 10 a.m. I'm going to be on this chat thread and, you know, ask a question I'll answer it. And so I was like, okay, cool, Sheryl Sandberg, great logged on, asked a question, and she wrote me like a three-paragraph response. And this is Sheryl Sandberg sitting in Facebook headquarters in, in, you know, California. So you can talk to people that are traditionally unreachable if you are brave and and put yourself out there a little bit. Um, In the context of person-to-person connection, and, and I mentioned this earlier, but it's, you know, creating these really mindful, meaningful moments of connection um, is difficult, and there really aren't very many opportunities to do that. And I, I talk to a lot of women who are like, man, I don't know how to find a mentor. Um, so a few things I recommend. One is put yourself out there. Go, go to things that, you know, without the, without the mindset of, oh, I'm going to meet a mentor. You know, I, I'm involved in 
some different charities around town. You know, I have friends that work in different businesses and different organizations, and I go to their events because you never know who you're going to meet. So, you know, a little soiree at a donor's home on a Sunday night where there, you know, there's piano and some light appetizers. Well, yeah, like Susan said, you may meet a banker at a bank that you you need the connection or, you know, somebody who is now retired from doing the kind of work that you've been wanting to do and boom, you've got a mentor without, you know, actively seeking a mentor. Um, the other thing is creating these situations, um, which is my purpose in, with the women and organization, which is to bring women together under the auspice of talking about craft spirits, you know, or so any, it, it would work with any topic, but, um, you know, we get a hundred women together every other month to, to learn about tequila or learn about whiskey or, or we, last week we did rosé, the drink of the summer. Uh, and, you know, so, so you're sitting with women that you don't know, um, you're learning about rosé from an expert, but as you, as you sample your rosé and you learn about the history of, you know, Pinot Noir grapes from the middle of France, you're also learning about, uh, you know, the woman sitting next to you and her kids and her family and her business. And at the end of the night, the whole table that you're with are now friends, you know, new friends that you have, but also it's six new business uh, entrepreneurial women in the community that you're now connected to. So um, those are the kind of opportunities I really push women to to seek out are, are kind of these authentic connections instead of actively seeking you know, I'm going to go to this event solely to right. meet a mentor. Um, that's that's like going to the bar and being like, I'm going out tonight to find a boyfriend. Like, <laughs> you might <laughs> you might go home with somebody, but you're not. It's unlikely yeah. that you're really going to form a connection with someone, which is ultimately what life is about is <laughs> is that deep connection. So. Thank you, Lindsay. I have to take a piece out of the notes Doug Johnson sent me before the show. Doug, as we know, is on a plane to somewhere and couldn't join us. But he says some of the best guides talking about uh, women entrepreneurs needing mentors and champions. He says in Native American tradition of the medicine wheel, which may signify the four directions, some of the best guides we have are people we know and who know us well. We just never considered them in the context of a mentor or champion. And that leads me into another topic we just have just one minute for each of you to comment on the idea of building a personal board of directors i don't think we covered this yet susan lucas conwell thoughts on a woman entrepreneur building a personal board of directors good idea yes or no and who are the top three people who should be on that board susan I have mixed feelings about personal boards of directors, mm, to be honest. Okay. I think this goes back to, so it could or could not be that. It goes back to your question about mentors, sponsors, and champions. Mm-hmm. Um, mentors uh, generally being individuals who know you well, who you look up to, who will give you good advice. Um, sponsors being individuals who will generally actively promote you. And then the champions for me are the evangelists. And the evangelists are out there broadcasting how wonderful you are. I have found that having a mix of mentors, sponsors, and champions, um, both throughout life and throughout professional careers, to be very important. They could be personal boards of directors um, in specific situations. So very helpful, um, for example, if you are starting your company and you're in a specific area, you may want to think about um, individuals who know the technical area. And you may want to have people who are your 
guiding light, your reflection in the mirror. And I think that when we talk about personal boards of directors, um, it's generally thought of to be someone who is going to help you with that um, balance that doesn't exist and will never exist and we need to get over to help you push forward when you think you cannot break your PR, your personal record. Um, People who will encourage you to keep going even when you can't pay any salaries, to keep going even when you don't have a term sheet from an investor, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and who will also tell you when you need to stop. Okay, and I'm telling us we need to stop because we are just about out of time, and I need to save a minute each for predictions. Thank you, Susan. Lindsay, I'll give you 30 seconds on this topic. Mentor, sponsor, coach, evangelist, champion, quickly. Thoughts? Personal board of directors, yes or no? Lindsay, 30 seconds, go. Uh, Yes, unequivocally, yes. Uh, And I think there's a difference between kind of the personal board of directors and people that you have in your maybe one circle out that are professional contacts and mentors that you talk to specifically, you know, for for advice. Um, To me, there's three people. It is kind of the mentor, sponsor, champion, absolutely. And and Doug is on my board, just as a side note, so that's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I tend to kind of quantify them as these three, the the, the truth teller or the shaman type personality who you can count on for for deep wisdom and truth, um, delivered in a way that's kind, but it's going to be the truth. Um, the second one is the person who just unconditionally supports you, who you can call when you're having a crappy day or when something goes wrong, and you know they're going to just say, you know, you got this, it's okay. Um, and, this, and the third person I, I always say to have on your board is someone who's aspirational and inspirational to you, someone who you connect with and you admire and you're proud of and pushes you, um, whether they do it intentionally or not, but pushes you to be better. And I think if you've got a combination of those three types of people in your life, um, you know, in however many multiples, you're going you're gonna to be okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate both of you. Sorry to be in a rush. We have a minute left, each of you, for predictions. So we're going to fast forward right now into the crystal ball predictions round. And, Lindsay, I know you didn't have time to polish off that crystal ball, but I can tell you're ready. It doesn't even matter. First, I'm going to ask Susan Lucas-Conwell. Susan, I love the year 2020. Not that far away anymore. But I, you can see any time in the future, what would be different if we met again at a future point? You tell me when on the topic of coaching winter, women entrepreneurs starting smart Susan, 60 seconds, predictions, go. Five years from now, I don't think we're going to see a change. I thought when I got out of business school 150 years ago that there would be a change, and I'm sorry to say I haven't seen one. I think it's going to take longer than that. You know what? I'd like to see a woman president of the U.S., and then I'll start believing we're going to see a time shift. Oh, that's provocative. Well, just fasten your seatbelt. You never know, although there's a lot of people trying to derail that one in the next election. But I digress. (laughs) Lindsay Roselle, predictions. uh, One minute. Go. Um, I agree with Susan. I, you know, I don't see a whole lot changing in the next five years, revolutionarily changing, I would say. Uh, I do think with the millennial generation kind of coming of age and getting out of college and, and coming into, you know, the, the later 20s, early 30s, which is where a lot of self-actualization happens, I think, in my experience, I think we're going to see more and more female entrepreneurs and more people that are doing side businesses. Um, you know, maybe they work a full-time job or a part-time job or they're raising a family part-time um, but are also doing a, a home-based business or an Internet-based business. Um, and, and I think that there's just going to be more and more opportunity for women to 
um, make their own money and contribute to the family in, on their terms. And so I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, and, and our Susan and I are going to continue to see these type of, um, you know, women come through our businesses and, and seek us out for help, absolutely. I think um, especially, probably even more, because I think this generation that's coming up is, is even more open to input and wants help, and we're raised to be very community-oriented and very, um, you know, family, like everybody's a big family. So I think um, it, there's just a lot more confidence coming up, and, and I, I hope that by 2020 there's a much bigger number of women who are feeling more confident in taking the leap into entrepreneurship at whatever level that, that is for them. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Susan Lucas-Conwell, again, congratulations on your daughter and her rowing team's fantastic victory in Bulgaria this weekend. Wonderful to meet you, Susan. Thanks for sharing your words of wisdom and your insights. Lindsay Roselle, what a nice surprise. Happy that Doug Johnson at Innosphere is on your board, and he recommended you to us. Very rare to have somebody jump in literally at the zero hour and do so well. Lindsay, pleasure to meet you. Keep on doing what you're doing. Young lady with a lot of good thoughts and wisdom, and uh, all the best to you. Shout out to our executive producer of this series, Jenny Dearborn at SAP. We did it, Jenny. We did it. Surprise, surprise. And a shout out to Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll see you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on the Business Channel on another live edition of my flagship show for SAP, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Get your cup ready. We're going to have a refreshing hour. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Music.